If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, turn with me to the Old Testament book of Hosea. The Old Testament book of Hosea. Uh, not a place we, uh, we go a lot of times in God's Word, but one I felt uh, appropriate for us to look at today. Uh, Valentine's Day being on Friday. I wanted to take a few moments today and share with you in regards to God's overwhelming love. God's overwhelming love. We're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 3. But in order to understand Hosea chapter 3, we have to have a little understanding of chapters 1 and 2. In the first two chapters of Hosea's prophecy, we see the accounts of a broken home. A broken home is a, a broken relationship between a husband and a wife. We also see a broken nation, a broken relationship between a people and their God. And, and these two things and, and these uh, relationships, they're, they're things that are unique and interesting. Uh, the broken home and heartache is that of God's prophet Hosea who has been called to preach and to spiritually lead an entire nation. And God knew what was going to happen in Hosea's home before he commanded him to marry Gomer. And, and I think as we consider that, he used the heartache, he, he used the, the, the stress, uh, the uh, the situation that Hosea and Gomer went through in order to teach Hosea valuable lessons about love and compassion that he might not have ever known or never understood if he had not gone through those experiences. He, he learned of God's love in a new and a fresh and a unique way. Isn't that the way it is often in life? It's when we're going through the struggles, when we're going through the challenges, the difficulties, the hard times, maybe when we're at that lowest point in our life that we learn the greatest lessons about our spiritual journey, about our relationship with the Lord and about His faithfulness and His love and His commitment and, and His strength. And His presence in our life. And, and so we learn those lessons through the difficult times that we can apply and use later in life. There's a story that is told of a medieval monk who announced that he would be preaching on the love of God. And just as dusk would fall, the people gathered in the cathedral with little or no light coming through the windows. The monk walked to the front of the altar, and he lit a single candle. And then he moved to a large crucifix. And he would take the candle, and he would hold it first to the thorn-crowned head of Jesus and pause there for just a moment, long enough for the light from the candle to illuminate the thorns and the head of Jesus. And, and then he moved, and he moved to each of the nail-pierced hands of Jesus and pausing just long enough for that candle to light the hands and, and to see the nails that were there. He moved to the side of Jesus where the spear had, had punctured and the blood had run. And then finally moving to the feet of Jesus, pierced with a nail, pausing for just a moment for the light to shine and for people to see. 
And then the story goes that he simply blew out the candle and left the cathedral altogether. Nothing else needed to be said for us to understand the love of God. The love of God is demonstrated in the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And in chapter 3 of the book of Hosea, it's a short chapter, only a few verses, but there are four things that I want us to see today and to learn about the love of God and what it means to our lives as believers today. The first thing I want us to see, and we we sang about it today, we, we communicated about it through our worship, and that is the pursuing love of God. If you have your Bibles in Hosea chapter 3, let's turn and read there together this morning. And I want you to notice what it says in that very first verse. Chapter 3 says this, Then the Lord said to me, Go again. You hear that? Go again. So, so in other words, you've already gone once, maybe twice, maybe three times, maybe four times. You, you've been through this before. He says, Go again. Go, go another time, he said. Love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, through, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. He says, here's what I want you to do, Hosea. I want you to go again. Now we know if we read the first two chapters, we remember we talked about a broken relationship. A relationship between a husband and a wife. And, and we know that the, the Scripture reveals for us that, that Gomer had entered into to, to a, a harlot's relationship. That she had been unfaithful to Hosea, her husband. And God calls to him and he says, go again. Go, go pursue her. Go after her. Even though she's been unfaithful. Even though there's been sin. Go after her. Pursue her as your wife. And love her again in your heart and in your life. And notice it makes the comparison in relationship to God's love for His people. Even though it's a nation that disobeys Him. Even though it's a nation who seeks other gods. Who, who has been unfaithful to God with other gods. He said, yet still God pursues. Yet still God goes after those whom He loves. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says... And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He pursues us. Even when we were living in our sin, He died for us. He pursues us. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He pursues us. And that He saw that we needed a sacrifice. Someone who would pay the price for our sins. And He sent His Son to die in our place. He pursues us. John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Gary spoke of it earlier this morning already. Greater love has no one than this, that He lay down His life for His friends. You are my friends. He pursues us. There is no greater love, He says, than the love that I have demonstrated for you and toward you in my pursuit of you. In my desire to come after you and to, to love again. To go again and receive you to myself. To love again. To make you mine. God pursues us. 
in so many ways, in so many areas in our life, day after day after day. God pursues us because He loves us and He desires our love. He desires for us to respond to Him and the love that He's given us in our love and obedience for Him. Brings us to the second thing, and that's God's reclaiming love. Look at verse 2 in that chapter if we want to continue together this morning. And notice what Hosea writes in verse 2. So, I bought her for myself. For 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. I bought her for myself. She was already his wife. They had already been married. She already belonged to him. But she had been unfaithful. And she had left the marriage bed. And she had engaged in unfaithful relationships. Not just one, but multiple relationships. And yet he pursued her. Go again, God said. He pursued her. And he reclaimed her. He paid the price to buy her back as his. To belong to him. And God reclaims us. God pays the price to buy us back so that we might belong to Him. He, he purchased us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. Listen to what it says. You have been bought with a price. That's you and I. He reclaimed us by purchasing us back. We know the price that He paid. The price that He paid was His only begotten Son. And that He sent Him to this world to live and to experience everything that we experience, yet with no sin in His life, so that He might become a perfect, pure, and blameless sacrifice. That He gave His Son to die on a cross and face the the cruelty and the punishment and the pain of that death in order to pay for you and I. Jesus died on the cross. He was beaten to a bloody pulp that people could hardly recognize that He was a human being. He was spat upon. He was mocked. He was made fun of and ultimately nailed to a cross where He died and surrendered His life in order to buy us back. In order to pay the price for you and I and for the sins that are in our lives. And Hosea teaches us of the love of God. He demonstrates for us what it means when it says, I bought her for silver and for barley and for whatever things a homer, he says, a homer to have. I paid the price so that she could be mine again. And God paid the price so that we could be His again. Third thing I want us to see is this, God's disciplining love. God's disciplining love. Verse 3 demonstrates His discipline. Let's look again and read together as we continue there in that short chapter 3 and see what He says. Then I said to her, notice here we go, shall, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be towards you. He said, here is the discipline of the relationship. The discipline is this, I have bought you back. You will come with me and you're going to stay with me. And you're not going to go be with anyone else, you're going to remain with me. And you're not going to have a relationship with anyone other than me. And I will do the same. I will refrain myself from that relationship in order to discipline your body, in order to discipline your desires, in order to help you to be the wife that you should be for me. 
God disciplines us. Hebrews chapter 12. It's a long passage about discipline, but listen to what it says. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your, in your striving to resist sin. You have not gone so far as to make some type of physical sacrifice in your life in order to resist sin in regards to your body. He says, you haven't reached that point yet. But notice what he goes on and says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Children who have been bought back were his sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Did you hear that? Those who the Lord loves, He disciplines them. There is discipline in our life motivated by the love that God has for us. And He scourges every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? He says, in other words, I can't imagine the fact that there would be someone who had a child who didn't discipline that child. Why? Because discipline makes us better. Because discipline develops us into who we should be. And so he said, who has a father that is not disciplined? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. He said, they're not really a father to you unless they're willing to discipline you. Because a father's love drives him to discipline to make you better. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short, short time as seemed best to them. You know what he says? He says, listen, their discipline was, was just for the here and now. They disciplined us, and in other words, they want us to behave a certain way or to do a certain thing. And if we didn't, they disciplined us in order to, to achieve that in our life. And he said, that's just for a short time. But he disciplines us for our good. They did it as what seemed best to them, but he said his discipline is for the best in us. God's desire to discipline us out of his love is in order to achieve the best for us in our life so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, listen to what it says, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Discipline makes us who God desires for us to be. And it brings peace and righteousness. Remember, we talk about that word righteousness. All it really means is I'm living the right way. I'm living in a right relationship. I'm, I'm living in the right way that God would have me to live. I, I, I'm obedient. I'm faithful. I'm doing the things that God has called me to do. That's what righteousness really is, is living right. And he says, discipline yields the fruit of a peaceful life and righteousness living right in our life. God disciplines us out of the abundance of His love because He desires the very best for us. Fourth and final thing is this, God's victorious love. God's victorious love. Let's look at the end of the chapter. 
that we began to gather this morning in Hosea chapter 3. And it says, For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. In other words, that's the discipline. Now, do you see what's happening? So the discipline for, for Gomer was what? You're going to re- remain with me for many days, and, and we're going to get those, those sinful desires out of you, is, is what Hosea was saying. Now God looks at the nation of Israel. What does He say? He says, you'll remain for many days without king or prince. People desired a king or a prince. They wanted someone to lead and, and that they could follow. He says, I'm not going to give that to you. Without sacrifice or sacred pillar... Or, or without uh, uh, ephod or, or a household idols. He said, we're going to remove all of those things from those foreign gods that you've pursued, those other, other people and those other gods that you've loved and those relationships that you've He said, we're going to remove all of that. And you're going to remain for many days without that. That's the discipline. Now listen to verse 5. Here comes the victory. Afterward, after the discipline has been applied, the sons of Israel will return. They're going to come back, he says, and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to His goodness in the last days. He says, the love that I have for them, the sacrificial love that I give, the pursuing love that I have, the disciplining love that I offer, the reclaiming love, the price that I pay. Ultimately, all of these things combined together will bring Victory, And the victory is that my children will return to me. My children will come home. They'll come back to my love and to my affection and to my provision and my care for them. And he said, it will be a victorious day. Who's paid the price? Who's done the pursuing? Who's done the discipline? Not us, but God. God desires to love us and He desires for us to love Him. And through that experience, He has... He has paid the price. He has pursued us. He has reclaimed us. And He has disciplined us. And He says, then there will be victory. And that through that we will return into a right relationship with Him. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what it says. Beginning in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And listen to what he says. It's, it's through His grace that we have salvation. It, it's through His pursuit of His love. It's through His reclaiming sacrifice and the price that He paid. It's through His discipline that we have love. So how do we respond to that? What, what do we do about this love that God has for us, about His pursuit and His reclaiming sacrifice, the price that He paid, and the discipline that He gives? How do we respond to that? Listen to this, verse 10. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's how we, pay, that's how we repay the love. He says that we are His workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus, and that He has prepared good works for us. And we are to walk in those good works. We're to walk in that behavior. We're to walk in that obedience. We're to walk in that faithfulness. And that demonstrates back to God how much we love Him because of the love that He's given for us. We respond out of obedience and faithfulness. We respond out of a desire to do what God has called us to do because we see the love that He has for us. 
we see that He, he pursues us. That, that song that we sang earlier, you know, there's no mountain you won't climb up, no wall you won't knock down, no lie you won't fight through, all those things. Why? Because you're coming after me. God desires to come after us and pursue us. He is willing to pay the price for us, the sacrifice of His Son. And He loves us enough to discipline us for our good, to bring us to the life that He desires for us to live. And the only question remains is how do we respond to that? In Ephesians, the writer of Ephesians, as Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he says we respond out of obedience to the good works that He's prepared beforehand that we do the things that He's called us to do, that we obey the way that He calls us to obey, that we're faithful the way that He calls us to be faithful. And we live our lives in a relationship with Him and Him alone as Lord and Master of our lives. And so this morning, as we think about God's overwhelming love, I want us to think about what He has done to love us and to demonstrate His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners. He demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in that demonstration of love, how do we respond? What do we do in kind in response to the love that He has demonstrated toward us? We, we obey. We're faithful. We receive the sacrifice and the gift that He made. And we follow faithfully and obediently to His Word in our life. And so this morning, we're going to offer an invitation here. And as always, an invitation is a time for us to to make decisions in our life. You are invited. That's what an invitation means. To make a decision. Perhaps today you need to look and go, you know what? I, I realize just how much God overwhelmingly loves me. The question is, how have I been responding to that love? What have I been doing to demonstrate to Him how much I love Him? Because of how He loves me. And if in asking that question and searching your heart and your life in regards to that, if there's a decision that you need to make, maybe, maybe you're saying to yourself today, I need to be more faithful. I need to be more obedient. I need to be more loving. I, I need to follow more the truths of His Word. Whatever it is that you need to do in response to His overwhelming love, we invite you to make that decision as we stand and we sing.